and welcome to CBI's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Hey, Shannon. I'm Alex Page Hatley. <laughs> Taking and the show on the road again today. I know. We're live again. Uh, today we are at the Sustainability Conference at the Pratt & Whitney Museum in East Hartford. Yes, so we're surrounded by these amazing giant engines that Pratt & Whitney makes. And, um, you know, it's a big giant hangar. It's a very cool space. The program today is going to be really great. Um, the commissioner of the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, Katie Dykes, is going to speak with us. We're hearing from from small businesses around Connecticut that um, are implementing uh, responsibility and sustainability, um, different innovations and tactics um, to bring down business costs, streamline their production, but also to be more sustainable and be more responsible with recycling and packaging. Mm-hmm. Taking care of the environment in general, you know, it's, it's becoming so in the public eye recently and I feel like I'm really interested to hear what they have to say today about how how they're approaching this at their business and what innovative things they're taking. Is this a ground up kind of effort or is it strictly, you know, at the top? Um, I'm just really interested to hear what people have to say. Yeah, certainly. So um, let's go find some small businesses to talk to. Let's do it. I'm Scott Livingston. I'm the president of Horst Engineering in East Hartford. So what, what is your company doing in terms of sustainability? For us, sustainability is more of a cultural mindset. I was just talking to one of my colleagues who came here this morning to join me. Uh, he is our continuous improvement coordinator, so he heads up our lean team. And we look at green as lean. You know, so sustainability is a word that's thrown around a lot, and I prefer to use the word responsible. So wherever sustainability is used, I replace it with the word responsible. So instead of sustainable business, it's responsible business. And that comes from a book I read called The Responsible Company. And it was written by Yvonne Schoenard, who's the founder of Patagonia, a clothing manufacturer. And he just feels that all business is unsustainable. All you can do is strive to be more responsible in your business activities. And that's really what we subscribe to at Horst. That's what, I, what I've brought to the team. So we're just trying to get more of our employees engaged in waste reduction and efficiency. And how are you engaging your employees in those activities? Is it um, through programs at work or do you offer any incentives? It's a lot of internal communication and internal marketing. So we've stepped up our game when it comes to visual boards, uh, using our bulletin boards more proactively in all of our company communications, our quarterly all-hands meetings, it's frequently a topic. Plus, we have a few champions who are willing to drive it as kind of a side job. One of the things that we do at Horst is we have employee teams and committees. They're all employee-driven, and they are in a diff- different areas, like health and wellness. That's our F3 team for fit, form, function. The lean team, the ISO audit team, uh, the Epicor ERP team. So we have all these teams and we encourage people to do things away from their day job. That's another way they can learn about the rest of the business. The green team is something that we're putting more focus on now so that we can get people to help. We also have a big project on the horizon. We're renovating a building in East Hartford and green and Building and energy efficiency are synonymous with each other. So that's a big project that we have a lot of people working on and they're pretty inspired by it. 
That's great. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really awesome. Yeah. Um, so what sorts of, so you have all these committees or teams internally working on different things. Um, maybe for the, the green team, what sorts of innovative things are they looking at to implement? Right now we're trying to improve a few of the things that we started, right? So when you think about launching these initiatives, you've got to figure out how they can be sustained. We had an intern work three summers ago to bring single stream recycling into our workplace. And you'd be surprised how many of our employees when polled would say they're unfamiliar with the, with the concept of single stream recycling. I don't know if it's because they live in apartment complexes and their communities don't do it. There's been a lot of negative press about recycling recently because it arguably is ineffective. But it's one tool we have to minimize what we put in landfill. Being in aerospace manufacturing and particularly metalworking, we've always had a recycling mindset. You don't just take the scrap metal and toss it in the trash. It's high value. So we've just taken that to the other areas of the business. So we encourage people if they've gone to lunch and they come back and they got all that packaging waste to clean it up and recycle it. And we've got a system that we developed for that. So getting the green team to be advocates for that and to catch people when they're not doing it right and to help educate them. I mean, that's what it's going to take is a little nudge. It seems like communication and employee engagement are really important. Do you have any advice for other businesses who are maybe struggling to get their sustainability programs off the ground? I mean, employee engagement is an ongoing journey. I mean, we're, we're just trying to do it better today than we did it yesterday. So I don't proclaim to have any clear solutions. I personally am inspired by nature and the environment, otherwise this wouldn't be something that we've brought to our business. We're small and nimble, so you can make changes like this a lot quicker. There's, when I was flipping through the guide for today's conference, there's entire departments at some of these large companies that focus on this stuff. I mean, we only have 140 or so people, 40, 145 in our business, and if you can get five people to commit to doing something different, then that's enough in a company of our size. That's great. Well, thank you so much. No, I appreciate being here and appreciate the work that CBIA does. Thank, thank you. you. My name is Rick Love. I'm a director of the Environmental Stewardship Program at United Technologies. So we are the parent of Pratt & Whitney, Otis Carrier, and uh, Collins Aerospace. So can I ask, what is environmental stewardship? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of a nomenclature thing. So once upon a time, it was environmental programs. And then over time, as we started thinking about it, there were two things we wanted to, we wanted to make sure that people understood that UTC is committed to the sustainable management of environmental resources and the resources that we sort of use and in some cases impose upon in the environment. So we thought stewardship might be a little more suggestive of responsibility as opposed to programs which you know could arguably be regulatory compliance or something like that so it's 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 again it's, it's sort of a subtle indication of something that UTC is very committed to which is making sure that we have a minimal environmental footprint through our operations 
In some of our other interviews this morning, we've heard that same word responsibility as an alternate to sustainability. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, we've kind of wrestled with that at UTC, and I think you see that at other corporations where if you ask people, tell us about your sustainability program or your responsibility program in 2010, you might see that they include certain things that in 2019 they don't include. And I think that's one of the challenges, which is kind of coming up with a common understanding of what sustainability really means. From UTC's perspective, it essentially means running a business in a way that you can continue to run the business and succeed basically as far out into the future as you possibly can. So included in that, which is a pretty broad thing, I mean, you've got to be financially successful, so that's, that's a sustainability issue in its own right. But uh, our, our use of environmental, our, our natural resources, our environmental impacts, things like our employees. I mean, we, we have to make sure that we have a, a supply of good, enthusiastic employees of all ages, are certainly young people, are, are people that we're putting a lot of emphasis on, because if we don't have young people, it's a going out of business sale. And young people really care about sustainable issues, maybe more so than people when I was starting to work 300 million years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that. it was it much more recent. <laughs> what sorts of initiatives is UTC or that you're working on right now in terms of responsibility, sustainability? Yeah, so so we have a couple things. First of all, we mandate absolute compliance with all environmental laws and regulations. So that's just not even under discussion. So we have programs to reduce our environmental input impacts above and beyond what the law requires. And that's sort of where I work. So UTC works with our business units. So Pratt & Whitney is a business unit. Collins Aerospace is a business unit. And they all have environmental health and safety professionals around the world. We have about 1,300 people sort of around the world who are in that discipline area. So we work with them to set some goals. Every five years, we formally commit to reducing environmental impacts to a, a numeric measured value. So we'll take 2015, say, we'll look at how much water we used in 2015, and we're going to reduce that amount of water around the world by 25 percent by 2020. So we work with the businesses to figure out ways, best practices, uh, methods, investments that we can make in order to reduce that amount of water consistent with those overall targets. So a lot of it is just a tremendous amount of collaboration, sort of ongoing collaboration and leveraging of the things we've learned, things that work, things that don't work. Uh, at the same time, we, we spend a lot of time measuring the business value of this. So it isn't just how much water did we uh, cut back on using, but it really was what were the savings associated with that. And also, what does it cost? Because we're not willing, you know, as a, as a business, we, we don't have infinite amount of resources, so we can't spend limitless money on, on trying to reduce things. So a lot of it is kind of marrying the two, you know, find the most effective means of reducing impacts, promulgating those across the corporation so everybody is aware of them and then just making sure that everybody is kind of doing as much as they possibly can in order to get to that end point that we're looking for. 
So when you're trying to meet these goals, do you find that getting there, you're relying more on people to change their behaviors and the way they're doing, or are you relying more on, you know, maybe implementing a new machine or a new technology to help, you know, reduce whatever you're trying to meet? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it's really both. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you look at the places where we're the most successful and, and meet the goals, and in many cases go above and beyond the goals, you always find some people who really have a passion for this stuff. You know, they really think about it, they're very articulate, they bug their managers more than other people bug their managers to get stuff done, they make perhaps more compelling cases as to why this is something that they should do. So the people piece is really invaluable. At the same time, uh, we, we try to use, we're aware of new technology, we try to make sure everybody knows about new technology. There's a, a, a lot of discussion these days about the digitalization of manufacturing facilities, sort of this notion that if you put a meter on everything and measure everything, it's going to give you greater insight as to where you can improve. So it's things like that too. I mean, we invest a lot in those digital tools in order to collect more information so we can figure out the real sweet spots of where we can, we can maximize uh, the benefit that we get out of the investments that we make. So you mentioned before that uh, you review um, your sustainability goals every five years, I think you said. Right. So every five years you you know look at how you're doing and how you've reduced it and if you need to reevaluate that goal or right. anything like that. Um, is there any sort of longer term, you know, what's the company going to do over the next Where's 10, it all going? 20. Yeah, what's what's your outlook? Yeah, that? that's that's a great question. Uh, there's a couple of long-term goals that we've committed to. Our our CEO has been clear that UTC will behave sort of in compliance with the Paris climate agreement. So they have 2050 goals. So we, we haven't articulated exactly how we're going to get to 2050. We do it in like five year increments. But the, 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 the commitment and the plan is, is whatever we do will be consistent with hitting that 2050 end point. On other things, we, we how much water we're going to save, how much waste we're going to eliminate, uh, air pollution. Every five years, we kind of revisit that. We, so we haven't gotten to a point where we say the master strategy is to have zero waste, zero water, zero emissions. I mean, maybe we might get to that. Right now, we're not seeing that in some cases as even being necessary. But again, it's sort of a, a thing that we always kind of revisit. And, and as, as thinking about that evolves, hopefully our opinions about that evolve as well. I'm Robert Kedzur, Robert Kedzur. I'm the Sustainability Fellow and Director for Pratt Whitney. I newly joined the Pratt Whitney team. I've been with Pratt Whitney Canada for the last 15 years and been doing sustainability quite literally for the last 25 years. So this is not new to me. It's been a lifelong passion and certainly an early career decision in my, in my life. And what I find super interesting in events like this is to realize over this 25 years or 30 years that I've been doing this is to what extent the maturity is, is evolving. This is becoming not just a small expertise of a small group of you know tree huggers 30 years ago, it's becoming a language of business. So people are really embedding this in their ways of thinking and bringing it to work and saying what can I do? And what can I do that nobody else can do in my function? And that is fantastic. So I'm finding that this, you know, some of the questions I was hearing 
are just blowing my way. You know, 20 years ago, it would not have been that complexity of questions, and the answers are coming back, and I'm going, wow, that was very relevant. That's, that was super interesting. So, always very stimulating. So what sort of uh, innovative ideas or programs are you bringing in your role at Pratt & Whitney? What are you working on right now? <laughs> We're working on so many things. Uh, we heard uh, Feslino this morning uh, talking about, uh, you know, to what extent sustainability, how far it can go and how deep it can go into the business processes. And she made an interesting analogy uh, last night when we were having dinner. You know, we're just having these, you know, it was a, it was a, <laughs> a table of uh, sustainability geeks, you know, talking their language. We really had a, a really good conversation. So she, and she was making a point about how sustainability doesn't always give you uh, short-term returns. So we have to look at differently. Sometimes what we plant as seeds today will give much more benefits, but perhaps three years from now. So she made the analogy that the, the, the programs we're putting in place now are kind of like creating a prairie where the roots will take roots and will develop and the systems will work, learn to work together. So it means that we have to invest not in projects all only, but in making people understand, bringing sustainability to a level of corporate competency. With the increased scrutiny on climate change, do you feel um, do you feel any pressure, or do you feel that Pratt and Whitney is in a good place and uh, with their responsibility and sustainability efforts? Well, I think uh, the pressure is a good thing. You know, there, it's when the pressure is there, we know it's important to people. So I think we've heard throughout the morning the extent to which people are doing things. You know, we had a fantastic panelists that were talking about all the initiatives that they're doing in their organization. And Horst was one of the was the, the sustainability winner this year for the Pratt & Whitney Sustainable Supplier Award. And they were showing to what extent, you know, they're doing it because, in some cases, it's coming from the customers. In some cases, it's coming from uh, their supply chain, uh, public pressure. And the CEO president himself was saying, you know, this is something that's important to our family. And he's therefore driving that in his business. So the pressure we're seeing, I think we're doing well. You know, we're, let's be honest, we're an aerospace industry. We have a lot of impacts, but we bring tremendous value. We bring mobility. We, people, we allow people to visit the world. Uh, we provide medical interventions. You know, what we do is fantastic. It comes with a cost. So as long as people understand that there are, you know, there are very good things that we do, but there are things that we could do a lot better on. And if everyone sees their role in that, then we will be in a better place. So I'm actually not uh, not tremendously concerned that there is pressure. I think that's a good thing. Um, for a company like Pratt & Whitney, obviously there's a very like macro level to sustainability as far as, as the parts to manufacture and the engines. Um, are you doing anything on a micro level with individuals and employees, encouraging them to be sustainable? Hmm? Well, encouraging is, is half the equation. You know, encouraging people will say, okay, I can do this. Giving them the license to operate is often the way we put it. Then it's also empowerment. So yes, we do have uh, we do have a formal program. We call it the SD Focus, which may not mean much to, to people external, but using a focal is a person in a department who is doing his regular job, he or she is doing their, their regular job, but is also responsible for something that's core to the business, something that's important. Uh, and that's been very successful throughout Pratt Winnie. And it's how we've become so good in many of the core values that we're that, that are important to us. So sustainability, we launched three years ago, 
again, a concept of sustainability focus. These are people who do their jobs day in, day out, but they've been given training. They've got five hours of training on sustainability as it relates to our business, as it relates to aviation and to their business. We adapt it. If you're in operations, you'll get a training that is close to operations. If you're in engineering, we're going to talk about eco-design. If you're in a support group, we're going to talk about how communications can get the message out, how HR can value your efforts in sustainability. So these people have got the training, they've got the license to operate, and they're measured against it. So go do your daily job, but also do sustainability in that job, and then contaminate the rest of the organization as a, you know, <laughs> as a champion of that and celebrate it. And we quickly learned that by empowering them, training them, giving them a license to operate, and then walking off and letting go, you create some momentum. And we're really focusing on making sure that the focals are part of a community, that they feel that they're part of a bigger picture. And if you ask me the same question five, ten years from now, everyone will be de facto an SD focal, and the title will go away, because we'll just all be doing sustainability. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Mike Ravillo. I'm a senior uh, manager with Edgewell Corporation in uh, Milford, Connecticut, is where we're based. We're a global company that produces uh, a myriad of consumer care products, uh, everything from Hawaiian Tropic, Schick razors and blades, and Playtex products. Talk a little bit about what sustainability means to your business. We, we have to do the right thing for the consumer, the best product, and for the environment, uh, and for society. Uh, on the whole for, with everything that we launch and everything that we make. So how is business going? How many employees do you have? How big is your facility? We are global. Uh, we have several thousand people globally. We're located uh, in, uh, we have uh, operations in North America, Europe, and Asia. How many employees are in Connecticut? Oh, uh, in Connecticut, probably approximately a thousand. Um, can you talk a little bit about what sustainability efforts your company is uh, taking? Well, right now, most of our uh, work uh, really is split between product and then operations, right? So on the product side, you'll see a lot of sensitivity to packaging and different materials that are used. Um, and of course, that changes you know, globally. There's many different global regulations and impact of that uh, because we operate globally. Um, on the operation side, of course, you're always trying to use less energy, less water, generate less waste, use more recycled materials. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we kind of run the whole gamut. Uh, we're, into, we're into every possible piece of sustainability, including uh, social compliance, for example. What's the biggest challenge that your company is facing right now, whether it be mm -hmm. in the sustainability space or just otherwise? Probably in the sustainability space, one of our biggest challenges is uh, the difference in uh, regulations and what, what uh, our customers are looking for in different regions of the world. So Europe, of course, uh, seems to lead, lead the pack. And we, not only do we have to deal with regulations, things like REACH and ROS and uh, governmental regulation, but you're seeing now retailers as regulators, where the retailers are trying to get ahead of the curve. So they're implementing uh, programs to control material usage, reduce packaging, uh, and, and many other ingredient-based programs, which extend above and beyond uh, what the regulatory environment calls for. And of course, that's different in the Americas, Europe, and Asia. So that's the biggest thing is the variation. Do you try to um, have some consistency across, like do you take like the strictest ones and make them across the board or do you just kind of go region by region? No, no, pretty much uh, what's happening now is is uh, we're converging on what I guess you could call the strictest or the, or the, or the most in-depth uh, mm -hmm. requirements or desires, let's mm -hmm. say, and trying to get ahead of the curve and work to those. Yeah, that's great.
Any sort of like innovative things that you think your company's doing in this area that's just, you know, really interesting or? Well, we're continuing to shift, you know, packaging materials. Uh, you know, packaging's a big thing. That's the first thing that's in front of the consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we're trying to get more recycled, recyclable, compostable materials. There's a, there's a lot of push in that area. And then you're also seeing it in the product realm, too. We're trying to use uh, different recycled materials and really reduce the footprint um, uh, of, of our efforts, you know, uh, you know, on the environment. And I think that's really the, the main, uh, the main, you know, t the takeaway that I could give you guys this morning is the complexity. For sure, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. So that about wraps up our day here at the Sustainability Conference. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, the thing that struck me with our conversations with uh, different businesses, big and small, was employee engagement. That came up quite a few times. And um, the word empowerment of empowering employees to find solutions and uh, streamline processes and just find new ways of doing things that maybe. Um, you know, you would think the top level of an organization maybe just doesn't have time for or they're looking from that bottom up approach. Right, right. It's yeah, like you said, it's so interesting that employees are coming to them and saying, hey, I have an idea. And they're saying, go for it. I want you to really take this and run with it and help your, your colleagues understand why this is important. The other thing I thought was really interesting was the word responsibility. Mm -hmm. I feel like that whole idea of it changing from being all about the business and how they're going to operate for you know the foreseeable future and more about how, how does the planet and our business coexist in a healthy way yes. and how do we keep both things going? So I thought that was really interesting as well. So for our listeners, before we go, uh, the holidays are coming up. Um, so we'll be taking a couple breaks um, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we'll have a few more episodes for this year. Um, a but few then, really exciting episodes. Really great episodes. I'm so excited about Mark's mailbag. <laughs> Mark's Christmas mailbag. <laughs> yes. We're going to have our local HR council um, open up some of your questions about HR and, and talk to us about them on the podcast. Yeah. So if you actually have any HR-related questions, um, you can send us an email, you can tweet at us, um, email Mark, he'll get it and he'll bring it on the podcast. Um, so just a little call out there. Um, but then in January, we're going to be back with a new season in full force with lots of really exciting uh, interviews coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a great year. So we'll see you soon again here on the BizCast. See you next time, everyone. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.